Hello and welcome to the Lakers side chats. Uh, we've had to do a bit of a double take because literally as we started recording, <laughs> a world bomb has happened. Let me just introduce my guest. He is the host of the Lakers Legacy podcast, Jonathan Hernandez. John, welcome to the show, sir. First time guest, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Woj bomb that has just befallen upon us of Cal Kuzma and the Lakers agreeing to a three-year extension worth about $40 million, which equates to, what, $13 million a year. Pretty cheap deal. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, though. No, definitely. And yeah, like literally as we're, we're talking, we're going, are you ready to record? Yeah. And and, and he, we, we get this notification and the, the number that, that it strikes me that it's uh, very similar to KCP's deal. Like that's mm-hmm. just the first thing. It's three years. Okay. Kuz has got a player option in his though. And obviously yeah. KCP's was non-guaranteed in the third year. But the biggest takeaway I have is A, a, you get some security that you know that he's mm-hmm. not going to leave in free agency next year. B, even if you decide to keep him, so for a guy who is very maligned, and I'm not Cal Kuzma, the player I'm a fan of. I think if he knows his role, I think Kuzma can be very, very, very good in his role in the NBA. Um, I think he still has some delusion as to what he is in the NBA. And I think that's the biggest issue. He's never going to be a star, but if he just accepts the role that he's in, where I think he can be a really, really good defender. His length is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Jonathan, I think this contract's very movable if you need to move it, if uh-huh. he's unhappy. Like, I just want to get your take, because obviously it's, a, you know, literally an instant reaction type of thing. Um, I just want to get your reaction because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty surprised that we were able to get a deal done, especially with the amount of people coming off the board for 2021 free agency. Look, man, I, I, this is the best case scenario that we could have envisioned. I was projecting around about $12 million and I had anticipated, look, if Kuzma wanted 15, maybe the Lakers don't pull hairs at that point and just retain him anyways, because like you mentioned, they can use him as an asset moving forward versus just having him walk for nothing, you know? If you can get him locked in at $15 million now, given the fact that Victor Oladipo is looking like the best free agent in 2021, yeah. I mean, you're you're likely not going to want to match a $21 million contract offer for Kyle Kuzma. So even at $15 million, you might as well retain him so you can, at the worst, I mean, worst case scenario, you have to ship him off for something else. Um, and the fact that we could get him at around $13 million a year Credit to Rob Palenka for finessing this once again and making it feasible for both parties because Kuzma still gets to go out into the market, you know, the third year with that player option if he wants to, right? Like what a, what a beautiful, I don't know, melding of all every party's interest here. The Lakers getting him out for cheap and the the fact the reason I mean, given that they had given extensions to Anthony Davis, LeBron James, KCP has a long term contract they were not going to have cap space the next two years anyways. And their main forms of improvement moving forward in the near future was just retaining guys. And the fact that they were able to lock in Kuzma now that that's huge, whether it's Kuzma continues to progress, like how we've seen him progress in the reseeding games and in the preseason, or we, we we fully know his ceiling and we decide we pivot away from him. We have that option now versus uh, Kuzma's gone, you know, like, I mean, the best case scenario is what Kuzma absolutely blows out this season in terms of being the best version of himself in that role, whether it's at shooting guard, which is crazy that you have a six, nine guy playing shooting guard, but it works or at the wing position. And let, let's say Kuzma goes back to like a 16 point average of his rookie year. Now you don't have to worry about, oh, shoot, he's going to get offered $25 million. Like you retain him for the, at least the next one and a half years. And that is huge for a team like that, like the Lakers, who don't have very many avenues of improvement outside of just retaining guys that currently have based off of their bird rights, non-bird rights, or in Kuzma's case, his restricted free agency rights, THT, restricted free agency, uh, same for Caruso. But I mean, round of applause once again for Palinka. This is an offseason where just when you thought Palinka was done, he couldn't outdo himself anymore. Just at the right at the buzzer, Kyle Kuzma, $13 million a year for three years. Everybody's happy. It's huge. It's huge. 
Yeah, like it's not a deal. Like you know, we saw a lot of. Um, I think it was rightful laughing at Utah for giving Gobert five years, two hundred five million. I mean, uh, it's hilarious that he gets fifteen million more than Anthony Davis does. Um, I don't know how in any world you can justify that. I don't care how small a market you are; like it's yeah. ridiculous. All I'm saying is like. I don't even look at AD like you compare him to a guy like Nurkic who's getting twelve per, and you're giving Gobert what forty one. It's 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 ridiculous in my opinion. Anyway, but going back to Kuz, I love the move. Um, I Kuz annoys me from the point that I don't think he's a bad person at all. I just think he thinks like he's tweeting and talking to like four people when he's like putting out his COVID stupidity. Sure. And he's talking to like 3 million people, you know. <laughs> sure, like, sure. um, that, that, that's what frustrates me with Kuz. But on the whole, like if preseason's anything to go by, and I think I, I, I'll i take a lot of, um, I'll, t- I'll take some credence out of preseason because I think the Lakers will look really good when they've wanted to look very good. Um I don't think Kuzma will be a problem this year. I think it's a guy that, like, we're legit 11 deep with THT now. And obviously, we'll get into the preseason later on. But, like, I think locking up the biggest problem with Lakers, especially in contending seasons in previous years, if you look about the 09 2010 teams, there wasn't a lot of flexibility there. Like, mm-hmm. you look at the roster, the roster was basically set in stone until those contracts expired, which we saw, you know, we saw Pau Gasol moved on, Kobe obviously went into the twilight of his career, and that's when cap space opened, but we were horrible at that point. With deals like this, let's say you can package a Kuzma and a Schroeder deal together to get, I'm not saying that will happen, that it will happen, but you get close to a salary of a Bradley Beal type mm-hmm. player if he becomes available. And like you said, if Kuzma balls out, that's an interesting piece for the Wizards, like Kuzma, you know, being a focal point. I'm not saying they should do it, by the way. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying Kuzma's that good, but at the same time, like it keeps the Lakers really flexible, and it's another thing for, in my opinion, for like the likes of AD and LeBron. Be like, yeah, this is why we came to the Lakers. We wanted competency. They're providing it for us. We're going to be relevant for the next five, six years, however long we play here. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're getting him at, you know, presumably where his prime should be. Um, And I don't know, it just, uh, for me, I think from an intangible perspective, it sort of keeps the good vibes rolling and that momentum from this entire team rolling where, you know, we've seen Kuzma, there's a lot going on in his head on the court, off the court, whatever. And that sort of just erases. Now there's that argument that contract year usually guys ball out or whatever. But I think for a guy like Kuzma, who's, I don't know, I don't want to call him sensitive or whatever, but there could be a lot of things swirling around there. And now you take away that equation from him on a team where I think there's less pressure on him already just because of the guys they brought in. You keep him happy. And I don't know, I think it's just a a brilliant move and a prescient one from Palenka to just appease everyone that you can appease at the start. And I think they still have the ability to give Schroeder an extension throughout the season season if they want to. I don't think that's going to happen, especially with THT's rise. They probably just play things out. But so far, I mean, I don't know, great bargain deal by the Lakers. And like you mentioned, it just gives us the utmost flexibility and versatility. And... I do want to correct you. THT is the number one free agent going into 2020. Oh, he, he absolutely is. He absolutely <laughs> is. But, you know, thanks to the, or maybe unthanks to the Gilbert Arenas rule, teams can only offer him, you know, whatever the mid-level exception is for the two, first two years. And then I think after that, they can offer him up to the max, which at that point, I think the Lakers are matching whatever poison pill contract teams want to give them. Uh, THT ain't going anywhere, but we can get into that. <laughs> Especially, like, let, let's get into it now because we are talking about contracts and whatnot. Sure. We'll get into the other stuff. Um, you know, because there has been a lot of talk about that. But, like, if the Lakers are in a position where they're thinking about matching a poison pill contract, like, I don't know what you think, John, but, like, in, in my opinion, that means that THT has been a revelation this year that teams are wanting to give him that poison pill contract. Yep. Like, at that point, it's a no-brainer where the Lakers go, yeah, no problem, we'll give you that deal. You, you stay with us for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Exactly. And and like I mentioned, the max that the teams can offer him in the first two years is just $10 million. If it gets to that point, the Lakers will do that because they're projecting out, okay, even by even by year three of that deal, when 
I don't think a team will give him the max you know, amount at that point. Let's say they go 10, 10, 20 or whatever. And, and this is a deal reminiscent to, I guess, what the Rockets did with Jeremy Lin back then when, when they gave him the mid-level for the first two years and then it jumped to like 14 million the third year to, uh, I guess, get him off of uh, the Knicks uh, grasp. Um, even in the case where it's 10, 10, 20 for THT, which is, sounds ridiculous for you know a third-year player, but given what we've seen as Lakers fans, not really. The, the Lakers are probably doing the math in their head and projecting out, uh, if this kid is this good now, what's he going to be in three years? He probably is going to be worth that $20 million, so let's match whatever offer comes his way. And so I am not concerned about it one bit. And, yeah, just to touch on THT, like, um, obviously, he's been the talk of not just Laker Town. Um, I think just the whole NBA has been sort of enamored by him because, like, mm-hmm. you know, people. I, I like adding the preface that it is preseason, but like, he is like he's doing stuff that a twenty-year-old like a, that. Like, we've had three number two overall picks in the building at twenty. Like, it's not like we've not had like you know Brandon Ingram's a top twenty player in the NBA now, in my opinion. So we've had legit guys. I've not seen a player like THT at 20 years old play for the Lakers. I don't think since Kobe, and I don't think that's a like a, especially offensively, I, I don't think that's like a controversial statement to make as well because he's so, especially on ball, off ball, he'll need a lot of work. But I think a lot of guys do when they're 20 years old. There's not many guys who are at 20 who are amazing off ball, but like on ball, he... The 7-1 wingspan with the huge arms just helps him. Like It's like the Kawhi Leonard factor where like mm-hmm. he can just flip the shot in because his hands are so big. He can just stop midair and he can just place it in there. And it's it's really, really... it. Like I love THT, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> sure. yeah, I know yeah, we all yeah. love THT. Um, but I, I think that this guy, and there has been buzz I've heard that you know the Lakers really do see him as like, the next guy after sort of to help usher AD into a new era. And I can see it. Like, I'm sure we all can. Like, this guy, I think he can be, I think that, I don't think he will start. But based on what we've seen, I think there could be an argument made for him starting. And I don't think he will. I think Truder will start. I think KCP will start. But at the same time, you can still make an argument, which is crazy where we were like six months ago. Yeah. Um, Look, I'm with you on pretty much every point you just said. THT, I think he just naturally plays with a pace that is conducive to the best type of growth. Like he naturally, I and it's po- probably because of his unique measurables that he's able to do this, but it seems like he's playing at a veteran guard's pace the way that he dribbles the ball, weaves in and out of pick and rolls. And even while experience-wise and mentally, he's probably not there where, you know, they, they always talk about how in your prime, the game slows down for you. Even if the game hasn't slowed down for him mentally, just naturally the way that he plays is slow. Um, and I'm not, that's not a diss on, you know, THC. It's just when I say slow, it's methodical. And because of his strength and his length, he's able to use all of those things together to pretty much get to any spot on the court that he wants to. And at this point, he is like a three-level scorer because he can bust out whatever move he wants to, regardless of whether or not he's impeded from the basket. And most of the time, he's he's getting all the way to the basket. And if there are defenders on him, he can finish on them at this age right now, just turned 20, because he has the strength to do so and the length to, you know, do that scoop de doop layup that he does around people's arms. You know, like Brandon Ingram at his age was still getting tossed around because he didn't have the requisite amount of strength in his body, you know, to do that. Yeah. He has that already, and he's so because of the girth that he has is so grounded whenever he plants his feet and and makes his moves, it it never seems like he's frazzled. You know, he always has a counter move to whatever the defense is throwing at him. So with regards to the, like the best prospect the Lakers have drafted since Kobe. Yeah. In terms of guard prospect, for sure. um, I think like measurables wise, he probably has the same, impeccable measurements as like an Andrew Bynum, but Bynum at 19 didn't have the refined skill that THT already has. So that's, I mean, 
that's crazy that that the baseline level of what we're seeing from THT right now is this, and he can continue to get better. And you're almost seeing him get better by the game. Yeah, <laughs> like minute, some, minute by minute, some minute time, by right? minute, and it's it's uh, he's this dude is a prodigy. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I cannot come up with. I mean, I can't stop coming up with superlatives for him. So however high we want to talk about THT, I'm right on board drinking the Kool-Aid. There's a number of ways this could go wrong, obviously, whether it's attitude or maybe his stress fracture stuff comes back to haunt him. Because because he is such a unique prospect with with his physique, like a, a unique physical specimen like a Zion or even like a Porzingis, like, you know, whenever you're that unique, there can be some health things that crop up that just, you know, derail a, a player's career. So, I mean, um, that could happen. There are a number of ways things can go wrong with, with uh, THT, but if he stays healthy and he continues to grow the way that he has, and he has the best foundation with the Lakers right now to learn from literally the best, I can't see why we should be conservative about our estimations on this kid and put any sort of limit or ceiling on top of him because he is literally in the best position to succeed caveated with they actually give him run and allow him to explore his space, which they definitely should. Well, I don't know if you saw, if you heard the clips from Sam Amick talking of the athletic about Frank Vogel and saying, this dude's going to start for us next year. Yeah. And now I think Frank was being quite hyperbolic with that statement more than anything. But Frank Vogel is a very straightforward... Frank, the one thing I've noticed with Frank Vogel the past year covering him, sort of looking at him so closely, like, obviously you look at him from afar when he was in Indiana and places like that. But, like, looking when he was, you know, he's been our coach for the past year. And first of all, the next step should be giving Frank Vogel an extension before Absolutely, I go on my yeah. tirade. Um Frank's very, he's a straight shooter. He tells you what he thinks. Obviously, he hides like stuff, you know, when it comes to the schemes and stuff like that, but he'll tell you what he thinks about a player. And that's that's the biggest thing I've noticed about Frank. And if he was this high on him already in the bubble, like that we should have been we should have been expecting this. And the the, the best thing I've and Ricky said it beautifully on your podcast as well, no less. Yeah. If he was a top three pick, no one would be putting any ceiling on him. It's the fact that he was picked 46 overall, yeah. whatever it was. Who cares where he was picked? Like, it, it, it's so irrelevant where people are picked about what you do in that situation. Like, yep. I don't know if you followed the NFL. Like, Sam Donald was picked third, but Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. was picked 32nd. We don't put an yeah. imaginary ceiling on Lamar because he was picked 32nd compared to Sam Donald's third place. You know, yeah. I, I really liked Donald out of the draft, but that's a different, <laughs> that's a different um, comparison. Um, but, yeah, like... I, I love THC. I give him all the money in the world, in my well, opinion. <laughs> well, exactly. And I think right now, the I think the only barrier is, oh, we need more yeah. of a resume to go off of because, I mean, Jokic was a second round pick, right? Nobody's doubting him now after they saw him do it in actual games. Mm -hmm. Like, I think... Even with the small sample size that we do have, we can go back to he played meaningful minutes in that Houston, that one Houston game. And that's not a lot, but he also played some minutes and some games in the reseeding games as well and showed out. And you just keep you just keep watching him rack up these games and whether he's producing statistically or not. And most of the times he is producing statistically, this guy's not hurting you on the court whatsoever. And his arms and his length is a factor on offense or on defense. So at the very least, he's putting those to use. And so it's very easy for me and uh, probably Lakers fans to just project out if he gets more minutes and he plays more games, that's only going to continue to get more refined. So I think the only thing that's missing for people right now, and I'm mainly talking about non-Lakers fans probably, is just like a larger resume. And I think that's going to come this season. Yeah, uh, because like I mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, what, what was he? Like a number 13 11. pick? Jam yeah, 11th. Jamal Murray, what was he? 19, 20, you know, around that range. So it's like, this is not unheard of for a kid who was picked in the was second round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So overall. right now, all that's missing from THT is a longer resume as we get head into this regular season. And I think... Um, yeah, that bang bandwagon is going to continue to get heavier and heavier as we go along. 
And just to move on from THC, because we could literally spend the entire hour right. plus talking about Taylor and uh, Kids Special. Um, obviously, the, the, I think there was so many positives from this preseason, just watching the team. A, I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the physical readiness of the team, even though we played like six, seven weeks ago, is fantastic. They all seem really into it. Obviously, it helps bringing in new guys, but even like the guys who have just come off the championship success, they all look great. Like no one looks like they're out of shape or haven't been, obviously they haven't been playing basketball, but they don't look it, which is awesome. Um, what's been the most impressive part, THT notwithstanding? <laughs> let's put THT to the side, let's, let's shelve him for a second. Like what, what's impressed you so far this preseason? Yeah, well, like you mentioned, I think one of the benefits of obviously a lot of people were talking about the detriments the Lakers had coming into this season starting so soon. One of the positives is, I mean, they're pretty fine tuned already. And Alex Caruso even mentioned, yeah, I just got back into the gym and I don't feel like, you know, I was off for too long. So I think we're seeing that play out in terms of just like the continuity of guys who had just played like a month and a half earlier that coming into play. And even the new guys, I think all of them were in the bubble. So they, they're not coming into this like Steph Curry who hasn't played for, you know, like a year and a half or even just the, even just the random NBA players who had their stoppage happen in March, you know? So on the positive end, we're seeing how, or we're seeing how the positive of having just recently played is uh, working out for the Lakers. Um, With regards to like, what's impressed me the most is, yeah, I think Marcus all for sure has to be highlighted because I'd probably compare him at this point to, if I'm talking about analogies, like a beacon or like a lighthouse, because uh, those things just stay still, right? But they're so important to, you know, where how, where how ships direct themselves, and and Marcusall is exactly that—a guy who barely moves but impacts the game in such a huge way that it's becoming infectious. The way that other guys are responding to him. And I was talking to my friend offline where I was like, we're watching these games. And I asked him, is it a case of the Lakers are running more sets or guys just have a pep in their step knowing that Marcus is on the floor? So everybody's just moving. And I think the answer is it's a combo of both. Right. But you can see, I mean, you can see the pep in the step of Kyle Kuzma where he's like, I've been doing this for years, but I've never gotten the ball at this rate in the most effective manner because of Mark. And so Yeah, the way that Mark has impacted the game, both on offense and defense, has been like a really pleasant surprise. And he's only playing, what, like 12 minutes so far and in each of the preseason games. So um, and I don't think he's going to play very much more than that during the regular season. But it's like encouraging to see, you know, Mark doesn't need to be playing like 25 minutes, have an impact on the game. And even still, just his sheer size and his sheer size and then his high basketball IQ combined with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in that starting lineup is like blowing my mind right now because optically it's still scary as hell to see three of those big bruisers out there as your front line and then know that they can pick you apart, not only physically, but with their minds as well. I I mean, I can't say enough about what an addition Marcus All was um, to the team. So that's one of the biggest things that's impressed me the most. And I definitely agree with you on that. I think Mark's been so... I I wish there was a way that we didn't have to trade Mark when we got Powell. Uh, I was always (laughs) of that mindset, but obviously Mark was the centerpiece. Sorry, Kwame Brown, wherever you are right now. Uh, Love you forever. You know, you are a Laker. But, you know, thank goodness that you also left. Um, That's enough shade for now. Um, But, yeah, like, Mark's been awesome. Me, for me, the most exciting part from my end is I don't think we saw anywhere close to the best of Schroeder and Harold, mm-hmm. especially offensively. I think Frank Vogel was holding a little bit of the pick and roll stuff back, especially with Trez. A, I love Trez's energy, man. Trez is a dog who, mm-hmm. you know, is a guy who if, I, I feel like you could go to war with. Uh, that's how highly I think of Montrez. Um, and He's a guy who will be a definite advantage for us this year. Regardless of what the Clippers might want to say, we'll get onto the Clippers next. Um, but and Schroeder, I I always knew that his defensive shortcomings, quote unquote, were a bit overhyped. I didn't think I never thought he was that bad a defender. 
watching him in these preseason games, though, he looks like Avery Bradley out there sometimes, man. <laughs> like, yeah. it, people were hyping up Avery Bradley for doing exactly the same thing Schroeder was doing. So, like, I feel like we should give Dennis Schroeder love as well on sure. that side of things. I really, really feel like Schroeder is, A, I think he's a really smart player as well. B, he brings a speed to the offense that we haven't had in years. Like, a guy who is that quick off the dribble is alongside LeBron James and AD and guys like Marc Gasol and KCP. It's unfair. Like, yeah, I, I, the, the the roster, like, you could go for every player and just name, like, what, what they bring a different asset. But, like, I think Schroeder will be a really, really, really sound addition for this team. And, obviously... We want THT to improve as well, but the the guard spot, like if you just go back twelve months now, like the guard spot for us twelve months ago was, I in my opinion, a weakness for the team. I think it's a genuine strength now if you look mm-hmm. at THT, Schroeder, KCP, Caruso, who is in my opinion a top five def- guard defender in the league, um, and I've been saying that for a year as well. So at me, Rockets Twitter, Utah Twitter. <laughs> Whatever small market is going crazy right now, at me, I don't care. Um, like, you look at that rotation, it's like, yeah, like, we look really good now. Like, from a standpoint of, like, and, and we're young as well. Like, there's not many older guys on this. It's what, LeBron, Gasol, and Dudley, and that's it. Like, everyone else is, like, 30 and younger, and it's a perfect position to just keep building and building on this. I don't know if you agree with that, but it's awesome. No, I absolutely do. I couldn't have envisioned, like, a better portrait of how the Lakers offseason would have looked like then the melding they've been able to do here and Palinka's been able to do of you know veteran superstars who want to continue tacking on to their legacy plus you know older guys who and then I guess I'm talking about LeBron James in, in that respect but older guys in Marc Gasol and Wes Matthews who just want that hardware I, I know Marc Gasol won with the Raptors but continuing to build upon that plus getting younger but not only younger, but young guys who are actually experienced. It's not like these guys haven't been to the playoffs before. They have. Young guys who are experienced and also in their primes. If we're talking about Trez, Schroeder, you know, Kuzma, KCP, um, plus this like immensely crazy wild card in THT, who he's our like our youngest player, but maybe our most talented if you're just looking on paper. All those things combined with just the culture that the Lakers have set up here. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's feeling happy. The vibes are the best they've ever been. And you look over to the other side of the locker room with the Clippers and they're in shambles. And I couldn't have painted a better offseason for the Lakers. And I, I'm going to share this with you now. I shared this within the, the most recent podcast that I put, just pushed out, a season preview podcast. But my 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 one concern is not a tangible one. It's a, um, it's more of a, when things are this, when things are too good to be true, <laughs> usually they are. And I, I, I tried to think about when's the last time I was this excited about a Lakers off season. And the last time I was this, this excited, the Anthony Davis, you know, off season, notwithstanding, obviously, or the LeBron James one, which those were just more excitement in a vacuum because we hadn't been to the playoffs in a while exactly (laughs) but in terms of like okay if we're in the middle of contention and we know who we are as contenders when's the last time i've been this excited about a lakers offseason it's literally the nash dwight howard offseason because that was the deepest team on paper that we had at that time because if you remember like we traded for dwight and we were like Oh, I think we're going to have to add Pau to that deal. Oh, wait, Pau Gasol's not in that deal. And we're trading away a banged up Bynum anyways. And we're just going to get Dwight Howard in his prime. That's crazy. And then we were able to, before that happened, you know, uh, pretty much trade the trade exception that we got from the Odom thing because Odom had kind of lost it uh, for Steve Nash. Um, And and then we even got Anton Jamison that year, who the year before was averaging 16 points. Steve Blake was still on the team. Jody Meeks had shown something. Um, that And Meta World Peace was there. That team was super deep, and that's the most excited I've been an off, about an offseason. And then what happened? Like, we started off dismally. We had to fire Mike Brown. Like, Mike D'Antoni thing happened, and it just went got worse and worse from there. Obviously, Kobe tore his Achilles, et cetera, et cetera. You know the story. Now, this is going to be fun. 
And then I thought about, okay, when's the last time before that that I was this excited? Oh, it was the Carl uh, Malone, Gary Payton offseason where I was like, how did we pull this off? There's no way we could have gotten Hall of Famers like that. And we did it. And what ended up happening that season, like Kobe's trial loomed over the entire team. Carl Malone got injured for the very first time in his career for a sustained period. The locker room issues seemed to be there in terms of Carl and Kobe and whatnot. And I mean, we made it to the finals, right? But it just totally derailed by the end of it. So that is my only like existential concern about this team as hyped and, and lit as we're getting. I'm like, this has happened before. And <laughs> if it's too good to be true, sometimes uh, it is too good to be true. But I'm crossing my fingers and all that and just hoping that given what we've gone through the last few years, that will not happen. Um, so, But otherwise, like you mentioned, I couldn't have painted a better offseason for for the Lakers or Rob Palenka. So just praying for health from here. Like One thing to sort of like quell your nerves about that, you know, people are making fun of Palenka for, you know, gaining chemistry last year with all the guys and they all liked each other. He's done the same thing again this year. All the guys seem to really like each other. Like, you look at Schroeder and AD, you know, joking with Harold, and then Harold doing the same thing with AD and his Bentley and his drivers on Instagram. And God, I wish I was that rich to, like, be dogging on people for having drivers. Um, but, you know, alas, we, we are not. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I think that's why Jared Dudley was also a huge, huge guy coming back because... Whatever we say about Duds, and I think Duds could still play in the NBA. Like, I think on a worse team, on like a team like Brooklyn a few years back, I think he could still play 15 to 20 in a game. I think he really could. But he's settling for this locker room presence, old time veteran who's there to keep everyone in check, who everyone respects, like from LeBron to the everyone. And I, I might be wrong. I might be completely wide of the mark, but I think last year's team had more combustible elements to it. Like you look at Rajon, uh, we didn't know what Dwight was, and now Dwight's one of my favorite Lakers ever, just based on that one season. Love Dwight. He's the only guy who I will miss out of the guys who departed. Um, I hope he does really well in Philly, but not yeah. against those when they play us. So <laughs> all the best. To, how crazy is that, by the way? Like the yeah. you know, in that situation with Dwight Howard, where we all love him. <laughs> like, it, yeah. Wait, can it, I put in really quick? Because yeah, I, I mentioned yeah. how you know I couldn't have painted a better pick off season for the Lakers, and I, that Dwight Howard is the one one bit yeah. of uh, minutia that I could have said if he had just his agent had just waited or if there had been better communication just I'm waited not, a few seconds yeah, yeah exactly. he ended up getting a veteran minimum like deal anyways that's something the Lakers could have easily given him now I don't know if Dwight Howard was thinking about a bigger role which he assuredly will get with Philly but it, it's comparable you know so just the I'm not blaming it Dwight, yeah exactly but yeah please go on but yeah, like from what I've heard with what happened with Dwight is that he sort of panicked and just jumped at, you know, any offer that was available on the market, which is a shame because I would have loved to have seen Dwight back. And, you know, who yeah. knows, maybe next year we get Dwight back for Dwight part three in LA, which, <laughs> <laughs> which Why not? is crazy to say. And I, just to be honest, I'd, I'd welcome him back with open arms. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, like the reason why I'm so excited is you know, it's a team that stayed sort of similar to what it was last year, but also got better and added the right type of guys. Like, I think Gasol brings a lot of the IQ that you lost with Rondo, but in a less combustible way where I don't think he's going to go punch out someone in the middle of a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God bless Rajon. I hope he does well in Atlanta. And yeah, like he's in a bit of a sticky situation with a sort of lawsuit now, isn't he? Like, Jesus, we, we got out of that contract at the mm -hmm. right time. Um, Avery Bradley is in Miami now, which makes no sense considering why he wasn't playing in the bubble. But hey-ho, such is life. Um, you know, Danny Green, God bless him. He can go brick freeze in Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, like like you said, Dwight, Dwight's the biggest guy that if we could have just got Dwight to stay, it would have been like an A++++ summer. Now it's just an A++. Oh, yeah, bad. so we have to deal with that. <laughs> but 
to you did mention it earlier. I want to transition to what what the hell is going on with the Clippers. I feel like it, <laughs> it's pertinent to us because obviously, like it was brought about about with the whole Kawhi Leonard affair, and then Jerry West is involved. He's getting sued by a, a sort of I won't say a shady figure because I don't know the gentleman. I don't know how you know just a figure that we've never heard of before. Um, and then that voicemail drops and. I'm thinking if he has a voicemail like that that can just be dropped at any time, this dude must have even more information that we still, you know, that yet that we are yet to know about. Because, you know, I'm I'm sure you're of the same mindset, Jonathan. You don't sue people unless you have a lot of a lot of tangible information that you can get your money sure. out. Yeah. Um, because you won't be wasting that much on legal fees and whatnot if you weren't <laughs> like sort right, of positive right. that you'll be getting that money. Um like I don't get me wrong. You know, people going, you know, we're saying it's tampering. It's not the tampering. It's a circumventing of the collective bargaining agreement. Like, of course, superstars get preferential treatment. That's why they're superstars. Like, no mm-hmm. one's disputing that. Like, Kawhi should get preferential treatment from the Clippers. He's the best player to have ever played for the Clippers. Like, I, I don't think that's a controversial statement in any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, like, it's very funny to see how ESPN report things about this whole Kawhi Leonard situation compared to how everyone else is reporting it around the NBA. And I just want to get your take on it because, like, I heard shit, but, like, man, it's wild. It, it, it's yeah. really wild that this stuff's coming out right now. And I feel like there's been rumblings around, like, NBA and Twitter circles throughout the entire, like, past 15, 16 months or so about what was going on. But, like, to see it all sort of coming out into light is pretty crazy man it really is yeah i i think throughout this whole last two years or whatever ever since the rivalry the crosstown rivalry began just the coverage of both teams like you mentioned has just been so disingenuous from the start you even go back to just chasing Kawhi leonard in free agency and him pretty much two-timing the lakers and stringing things out to a point where their options were very limited. And then he always was planning to go to the Clippers anyways. And, you know, working the his puppetry to get Paul George and whatnot. I, I remember pe- people not giving him enough crap for that and actually praising Kawhi for being sly and shrewd. And what, can you imagine if like LeBron did that to another team? Like everybody would be on LeBron James case oh. for like, you, you know what I mean? Like we, we saw it with AD, like AD, asked his agent to go to the Lakers and everyone was jumping on LeBron's back exactly. saying, it was him who, no, it's like he's, AD's a grown man. He wants to go to LA. He wants to play with LeBron. Definitely. That, that was exactly. definitely. In it. And, lo- and look, yeah. Ka- Kawhi has the right to do those things. You know, I, I'm, that's fine. That's playing the game, but the way they frame things as opposed to the way they frame the Lakers, that's where I have the problem where it's like, why is it shrewd and cool for Kawhi to two-time the Lakers? It's because we're the Lakers. You know, yeah. people want to see that happen. And that sort of sentiment and just the, the narrative and portrayal of both teams has continued on w- w- even through, you know, Palinka's a snake for doing this to Magic. And then it comes out like, is he really a state snake or is he just trying to get his work done while someone else is not available or present? And it's not his fault that, you know, God bless Magic Johnson, that Magic Johnson's a little bit sensitive and is probably misinterpreting things the wrong way. But ESPN is going to go with, look at the turmoil within the Lakers organization with this guy, Palinka trying to overtake Magic. He's not trying to overtake anything. He's trying to do his job. You know, if someone's not going to do... Seen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If someone's not going to do their part of the job, Palinka's going to, you know, carry the weight. And it's not his fault that Magic Johnson's like, he's trying to overtake me. Like, no, you got to be in the office first, first of all. Um, so, it, and then it's coming to light really that everything that ESPN and the outside media have been saying about the Lakers and the shit show that they are, it's been the Clippers all along, actually. Whether it's the front office of the Clippers, right down to the team chemistry of the Clippers and their terrible, cheesy marketing brand of them being, you know, Grado grinder. I don't even know their street lights, spotlights. I don't even know their their, their slogans anymore. Playoffs I, over playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's like I, hashtag bribed over born. You know, bribed over bread at this point. So bribed, e- man. everything that people have been accusing the Lakers of in the w- worst case scenarios, that has actually been the Clippers. 
And just feeling the retribution of all of that from the moment that, you know, we tried chasing Kawhi, uh, it it's such a good feeling. And to look over to to look over to the Lakers, meanwhile, just getting all of these bargain contracts from their superstars right down to their role players. And the Clippers ha- like having to dole out this ridiculous supermax contract to Paul George just to keep him. A, a, a much maligned Paul George, no less, is just hilarious to me. You know, like one des- last desperate shot at just, oh, Kawhi Leonard has a player option next year. Uh, Paul George, uh, supermax. So everything that they've been doing just, just points to absolute panic and discombobulation across all party lines. Kawhi Leonard trying to do damage control by going on Jimmy Kimmel and showing people I'm, I'm a funny guy or whatever, you know, it's just, it's hilarious to me. And I am, uh, it sucks to hear Jerry West. And I actually, I don't, I don't, I don't really not real quick. I, I I don't care about that. What he said I, I about don't, the Peter shit show. He's 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 employed by the Clippers. The guys exactly. just really I don't, yeah, like, exactly. I don't care too much about that. And and obviously we know deep down in his heart, Jerry West has a huge affi- affinity for the Lakers. And I'm sure that that phone call obviously happened before Kobe Bryant's death or whatever. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't have no problem about that. But it's just another. Obviously, that that is a factor, though, in in this case of whether or not there was bribing involved, you know. So, um, yeah, I just love seeing the, the the dismantling of the Clippers and them shooting themselves in their own foot. And I want to preface all this by saying, like, I don't I never the, the most I felt about the Clippers up until this point was ambivalence. They yeah. have done this to themselves because of how they have been so brazen about them wanting to take over the city and always referencing the Lakers as the other team. I actually liked the Clippers when Lamar Odom and Darius Miles and Q Rich were there and they were like a fun upcoming team or whatever. They should have just kept that brand, you know, like even Lob City. City, Yeah. So if they had just stayed literally in their lane without referencing that we're our own lane and we're going to, if they had just done that, maybe stayed quiet, probably, a lot of this stuff wouldn't have befallen on them. And we haven't even talked about, you know, the, the history of Donald Sterling on that franchise, but they just probably need to leave at this point. <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say. You know, that, that deal in Inglewood isn't looking real good right now for him, is it? Like, realistically, like, maybe it would have been best off for them to go to, to Seattle or somewhere like that. Exactly. A, we get the Supersonics in the NBA again, who should have never left in the first place. And, you know, we would have got rid of this weird rivalry rubbish that we have in the NBA. Like, I think it's so forced right now, the whole rivalry dynamic between the Lakers and Clippers, like, um, especially from the media side of things. I, I don't think, obviously the Lakers see him as a threat for a time, but I don't think they see him anywhere this year. I think they laugh at the Clippers. Like, you can see it on, like, when LeBron's on road tripping. He was laughing at him. Like, yeah, you guys were talking all this crap, but you couldn't even get to the conference finals to play against us. Like, you know, it, it's that thing of, like, I don't know about you, but with the Clippers, A, Steve Ballmer is, you know, I'm, I know he's always been like this lovable figure, but I never saw him as that, like ever. I saw him as this guy who was trying to gentrify a, a, a from all intents and purposes, a nice part of LA. Obviously, I've never been to Inglewood, you know, a place full of like, you know, really nice homegrown people who work hard and trying to kick him out to make it this like super exclusive area with Stan Kroenke. Um, and, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I don't have the best opinion of the Kroenkes and the Rams anyway. Um, but like the Clippers, like, I don't even know what to say about it, Jonathan. Like if it is true, like the, the Adam Silver needs to bring the hammer down on them again, because we can't like, it's not even a case of, because the way I look at it is, let's say Le- the Lakers did this for LeBron. Let's say they paid off Maverick Carter, I don't know, like a f- gave him like four million to, to convince LeBron to come to LA. What would the reaction be like? That that's that that's where I look at it. Or let's say, I don't know, um I don't know who's close to KD. Let's say Brooklyn paid off someone to convince KD to come to Brooklyn. You know, like I look at it from that way, like you have to reciprocate. It doesn't matter what franchise it is. There needs to be a precedent set because 
if we're going to do stuff like that, we might as well, we, sh- we shouldn't have a salary cap. That's my take on it all. Yeah. Like, the salary cap is there to keep the league competitive. And, you know, if you have a good GM, you can circumvent the salary cap just like Rob Palinka does and gets, you know, yeah. Montrose Harold for eight, nine, whatever million it is. And Wes Matthews on three million and Mark Gasol on a veteran's minimum, etc. But, like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm hoping if it is true that the, the NBA does bring the hammer down on them. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you 100%. And I mean, the frustrating part about all this is us as Lakers fans voicing that opinion will only draw the ire of non-Lakers fans and say, who are you guys to talk? And they'll start pointing the finger right back at us without even just assessing just how egregious saying, yeah. Yeah, and how egregious the, the Clippers have been operating all this time. So that's the most frustrating part. But no, I totally agree with you. I don't know how they're going to come down on the Clippers here. Maybe they lose some draft picks or whatnot. Um, but at, at this point, I don't know if I don't know how this affects if things continue down this path, and I don't know how this affects Kawhi's upcoming free agency and his decisions. I mean, I, I guess since he's from there, from San Diego, he may just stay amidst all the turmoil. But it, it things are not going to get better from no. here for the Clippers. So. And they've done this, honestly, they've done this to themselves. They have no one else to blame but themselves here. So, no, I'm with you in terms of coming down on them hard because it's what they would have done for the Lakers. And it's probably, honestly, even if they have, there are repercussions to this, it's not going to be um, as extreme as if it ha- if, if the Lakers had done this. So, Well, just to touch on, uh, just to touch on that, like what, what you said, it's like, you know, executive of the year, Lawrence Frank, surely, surely should be able to build a better team than this. No, like (laughs) they need a, they need to swap that award. That's one of the stipulations of coming down hard on the, the the Clippers. They retroactively give it to a Rob Polinka instead. And and move Lawrence Frank's down to seventh place because it was Mr. Wilkes who did everything. Exactly. (laughs) That would be a good, that'd be a good start. Well, just a touch, you know, because we are playing the Clippers. It's crazy to think that Tuesday evening is the the season opener. What a the, time. The, the the banner is being, you know, I don't I don't know if it's being um, hoisted up into the stands on Tuesday or whether they're waiting for fans. It's still a bit ambiguous. It depends on where the information you're hearing. You know, it, I I think it's you know I think they will hoist it up, and then it'll just be a nice big celebration when the fans do come back eventually. You know. With this vaccine, I'm hoping that, you know, the light is sort of towards the end of the tunnel when it comes to, you know, fans being close to coming back into sporting events. Um, how do you see the game going on Tuesday? Because I think I think we'll be super ready for that game. And especially the likes of Trez, I think Trez will be even more hungry than he was in the in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 for one, can't wait to have basketball back. It's only been like six weeks, but I'm already like, yeah, sure. give it me again. Yeah, like... Just inject it straight into my veins. Let's go again. I'm ready. Uh, I'm with you in terms of I think the Lakers are going to come out hungry with something to prove. I've been here far too many times, though, to be excited and hyped over a game one. And then the Lakers, for whatever reason, not because they don't have the talent or whatnot, just drop the ball. I think we're going to have a win-win situation regardless, because even if we lose, I think we're going to see THT. And that's all anybody wants to see right now. Um, But... No, I, yeah, I think we're headed for a perfect storm here where <clears throat> everything is just going wrong for the Clippers and the Lakers. Everything is just going right, and I think we're going to see the physical basketball manifestation of that happen on Tuesday. And if the Lakers are a little bit lackadaisical or there's a malaise over them, you can bet that Trez isn't going to let that happen because he'll yeah. be the one guy to snap people back into place mentally and be like, no, we're going for these guys' throats. You know, Pat Beverly will be yapping back and forth. But yeah, I, I have confidence because of guys like Trez. I have confidence because of a guy like Marcus Saul who'll be going up against his former teammate, uh, Kawhi Keith Leonard. Exactly. There's a lot of storylines going on here. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about, about Tuesday and I'm hoping for the best, but I'm, I'm expecting, you know, some sort of letdown, but 
Um, I'm, I'm with you in terms of the Lakers having something to prove. I guess the same can be said about the Clippers with everything that's going on. Basketball could be their safe haven here. And they just got their asses whooped by the Lakers in preseason. And when I say the Lakers, just Taylor Horton Tucker. So, <laughs> so I, I expect at the very least for it to be a very competitive and close game, like the one we saw last year, but I think a lot more aesthetically pleasing than last year's for game one. You know what? <laughs> to be honest with you, like, I don't know about you. When I was watching preseason, the biggest takeaway was like, okay, Kawhi's not trying at all. Like, that, that was my biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. I thought Paul George was trying. That's where I'm like... <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Especially in the second game, he was definitely trying to lock up THT at points. Mm-hmm. THT was just blowing by when I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> yeah, Paul George is already in his head at, like, game two of the preseason, like... That's hilarious. Like, retroact- like retrospectively, he's probably like one of the only guys that you know. I'm, I, I did want him when he was, you know, requesting that trade from Indiana because, again, like you said, it was so long since we actually, you know, contended for the playoffs at that point. But looking back at it now, I'm sort of glad that things transpired the way they did. Like yeah. you know, because. A, we got to watch all those young guys play for us, and that was great. You know, God bless Ingram, Dilo while he was still there, Lonzo as well, Josh Hart, Zoo, Larry Nance, all the dudes, man. I, I still love all of them, you know. That, but, like, having AD and LeBron as your two superstars instead of, like, hypothetically, like, LeBron and Paul George is so much palatable, so much more palatable to me, anyway. Right. No, I agree with you um, in that respect. I think there there would have been a scenario maybe – no, you're right, well, we because we would have had to trade pieces for Paul George yeah. and we would have had, had enough for Unless Anthony would have came in the as a free, free agent. agent this, right, yeah, this right. Summer. No, absolutely. I'm with you there. I, I, I mean, I don't know Paul George personally, obviously, so I can't say anything about his personality or whatever. Just from what we've seen from the media, he seems to be a very fragile, wishy-washy sort of guy who doesn't – it, I think his biggest problem is he is a people pleaser to a fault without being yeah. self-aware enough to understand that this you just looks bad. Everyone. You can't please everybody. And in fact, you're making things worse for you. It's kind of like the Dwight Howard syndrome early on in his career when he wanted to do, when he wanted to say the right things to literally everybody, but, but, act, but ended up looking like a snake because he was saying, you know, things that didn't line up with each other, you know, and that's Paul George's deal right now. And then, I just wish he would be a little bit more humble outside of that. You know, the fact that he's, he doubles down on some of his statements and throws guys under their bus. I'm I'm sure he's not trying to like intentionally be this way, but it, it, Paul George's thing is always thinking about himself first and how to put himself in a good light without it's the lack of self-awareness that I think gets me about Paul George and, we as human beings have all been there and it sucks that his lack of self-awareness is displayed to the public because he's a superstar or whatever, but that's, you've seen superstars better manage how they deal with the media and whatnot. So I'm glad that, like you said, that we went this route instead of, you know, bringing Paul George in, into the fray here. And I, I will say that if Paul George had come here on, under LeBron's guidance, like we may not be seeing all this, this madness from him and he may be a little bit more stable, but having said that, yeah, we, we are on the, 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 the brighter timeline here. Yeah, definitely. And how mad is it that we've been talking for over 50 minutes and we haven't really touched on LeBron and AD so far? <laughs> like, that's, that's how good the Lakers offseason moves have been and just how good we have been in the preseason that we can like legitimately have a conversation about the rest of the team like this. And mm-hmm. it will stop all the stupid oh yeah the lakes are the two best players in a series but who's free through 10 all that yeah. stupidity um <laughs> just just to end you know i always like ending on like a light-hearted type of you know conversation um mvp is going to be really interesting this year just because we don't know like how people will look post you know football and whatnot uh, my favorite sadie i think kd will be really phenomenal this year um, I think he'll be the Lakers' driving force when, because Le- I think LeBron's just going to be like, I don't care anymore, guys. Mm-hmm. It's a regular season, and I don't blame him. Like realistically, I think he'll be like excited for about twenty games this year, yeah. and then the rest he'll be mailing it in. And you know what? At thirty-five, almost thirty-six. God bless you, LeBron. You should be doing that. Like as long as we get LeBron in the playoffs, playing like LeBron, that's all I care about anyway. Um, 
Who's your favorite for MVP? Because obviously you have Giannis still, who is you know signed his supermax in Milwaukee, and good for him. I think Doncic is probably I, I I've I said last year he was a top five player in the league, and people were laughing at me. I don't think that that statement's um, as silly anymore. I think mm-hmm. you can legitimately make an argument, especially watching him against the Clippers, that Luka Doncic is a top five player in the league. Um, he's definitely got a claim there. If the Warriors go supernova without Clay again, and Steph's really good, that's another MVP contender there. Uh, who do you have for the MVP this year? Yeah, I, I expect huge things from Anthony Davis this year. I actually, if you check out our season predictions and preview episode on our podcast page, and you can follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Um, if nice you, I, I <laughs> mentioned in that podcast, which we just dropped, that I actually expect Anthony Davis, and this seems counterintuitive, but I expect him to average a career high in points and his career high before his previous career high was 28.1 with the New Orleans Pelicans. I expect him to slightly exceed that at around 28.5 or 29, simply because one, I think this team is going to get to the free throw line a ton just because we have so many more guys who can, you know, push the issue and get us to the penalty really early on. Um, And then also I think he's going to, I think his jump shot proficiency and three point proficiency that we saw from the bubble is going to carry through. And if he hits more threes this year, that's, you know, easy added to the easy add to the total his point total. Um, But outside of that, even if he scores 28.5 or 29 points, like I'm imagining, I actually don't think that's the hardware he's going to be bringing home this year just because it's the Lakers and nobody's going to give him the credit because LeBron James is still his teammate. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to be his obstacle and barrier to winning MVP. The hardware that I do think he's going to win is defensive player of the year, because I think he's going to be extra motivated, especially with, you know, Gobert. Was it Gobert that won last year or Giannis? It was Giannis. It was Giannis. I think he's going to, that's going to be a chip on his shoulder for sure. Um, and Gobert still yapping over there with his new super max con- or near super max contract about he's the best defensive player. I think Anthony Davis is going to want to make that case. And especially with, you know, Dwight Howard and JaVale gone, it's, he's probably going to be a little bit more demonstrative. Um, so I don't think as, as well as AD is going to play offensively, he'll win MVP. I do predict that he, has a really good shot at defensive player of the year as to who I actually think may win that award. It's a guy that you haven't mentioned yet. And it's one that I think comes with a lot of caveats, but if those caveats are fulfilled, I think just given how voters like to vote and I'm not saying I would do this or it's right, but I think Kevin Durant has a pretty good shot at winning MVP just because it's a guy that we haven't seen for a year. There's that factor of like, Oh, he's back. He's back. And if the Brooklyn Nets like, are number one in the East. That could be an easy. Katie's back. He's he will. They'll always say he's the best. He's been the best player even over LeBron. Let's give him the MVP in that respect. And and look, I I love seeing Kevin Durant back oh, yeah. and healthy. And he looks like Definitely. it doesn't look like he got an Achilles injury. You know, so all power to him. But I and I'm not even I'm not even saying I'd be disappointed if he got MVP. I no. just think given the way that the voters vote. If it's close between KD and Anthony Davis, they're going to knock Anthony Davis for having LeBron James and such a deep team. And they're going to give it to KD because it's a great redemption story coming back from the Achilles injury, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my big prediction. But it's not like the Lakers won't have a consolation prize because I also think Anthony Davis is winning defensive player of the year. the, the, The thing on KD is like, A, I don't think his offensive game would take such a big drop off anyway. I don't know about you, but like offensively, I think he, he's so big and he's so smooth that even with that Achilles tear, his game wasn't really based on explosion anyway. Yeah. Like he's he can just he's a seven footer who can shoot like that. Like it's it's unfair. But I think we need to see him play. Like I know preseason's great and you know we, we got excited about THT. As a guy who's tore his Achilles twice, they, 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 it's not a joke injury. And, like, you know, I just want to see him do it over, like, a 20, 30-game yeah. stretch first to where I go, okay, he's, like, still KD. Because, like, I hope he is because KD is, like, one of the greatest players to watch, you know, like, on the court. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I could definitely see that. Like, even if he's just – even if he's 90% or 85% of what he was – which is still a top 10 player in the league, by the way. I could definitely see voters swaying towards, oh, look at how great he is still off an Achilles injury. 
So that one is a definite like, yeah, I do get that. That that, that that's actually a really good pick. I'm I'm sort of disappointed in myself that I didn't think about it. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> it was a good setup though, because then you would have buried my lead, so it worked out. <laughs> I'm still going for Luca though, in my opinion. I, oh, that's I, a great I, dark horse, sure. Man, I like people because obviously I'm based in Europe. Uh, my background is from the ex Yugoslavia region. Mm -hmm. People are always asking me, "Is Luka Doncic that good?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> why, why are we debating this? He's he's an MVP in a league full of like NBA caliber players in a league where it's more difficult to score. Yeah. Like it's not not because the competition's better. It's just the court smaller. The rules are different. Where it makes it harder for guys to score at eighteen, and if you're the MVP of a league like that, forget what Lamelo Ball said about the Australian Basketball League being the second best league in the world. It, it is the Euro League. Um, it, it like Luca's ridiculous. I think he's just twenty-one, mm -hmm. and like I know we talk about THT being just twenty, but to legitimately, like in my opinion, be in the conversation being a top five player in the world at twenty-one. That's like LeBron levels of good man, and it's scary. Yeah. It really is scary. Like, especially if Porzingis is healthy. Like, my dark horse pick for being like the second best team out of the West is Dallas if Porzingis is healthy. Mm -hmm. Just because I think Luca takes an eat. His stats might not take that much of an increase, but I just think he'll be so much more in control of the game this year that it will just transpire into Dallas being a really, really good team out there. Yeah, I have no reservations about any high ceilings for Luka Doncic. And Luka Doncic is actually an interesting player to talk about in comparison or in context yeah. with THT, just because I think Luka is, and their games are sort of similar in the way that Luka likes to create the contact to get those body rubs against defenders. But even still, he still has balance in his own way, just the way that THT does. It's like a very slow, methodical, crafty game. And what THT lacks that you know Luka has is that, at least right now, is the high basketball IQ, that cerebral type of thinking at his age, which is so advanced. And I think that'll eventually come for THT on, on more of a scoring level um, as he progresses, where Luca just has it in spades playmaking-wise and just being able to see how the chess pieces are moving on the board, sort of like Queen's Gambit, if you guys have watched that show. So I'm, I'm awesome with you there show. in terms of... Sorry? Awesome show. Awesome, awesome. show, exactly. So I'm with you there in terms of picking Luca for a dark horse candidate, but uh, yeah. And just before we sign off, I'm going to spring this one on you because I do it to all <laughs> my guests. Um, ever since the late great Kobe Bryant passed away, I've been asking all the guests. So, who is what is your favorite Kobe moment of all time? And now, you know, if I gave you time to think about that, it's a different answer <laughs> to one that's just off the cuff and I did the same thing to Howard Beck when he was on and it sort of caught Howard by surprise because you know I, I sent him a very thorough list of what, what we wanted to talk about uh, shout outs to Howard by the way friend yeah. of the side chats I just want to say that again <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but what's your favorite it doesn't have to be a basketball one it can be like an off the court one what is your oh. favorite moment of all time yeah so <sighs> For one of my, uh, one of these uh, previous summer, I think it was around during my birthday, my girlfriend at the time had planned this uh, birthday outing for me uh, out in Long Beach where you can go kayaking. Um, and so we had this fun day planned and this is in the middle of July. I forget what exactly what the year was, but this was definitely uh, that, that the summer after Kobe Bryant had come back from his Achilles, but then had gotten like the, the knee injury or the shoulder injury. He was still dealing with a lot of knickknack stuff after the, the Achilles heel. So he wasn't quite right, but I'm in Long Beach, uh, ready to go kayaking. And next to the beach, there is a basketball court and there's a bunch of tarp that's like covering the court. I didn't think anything of it. We had to pass and cross that court in order to get to the beach area. And as I'm passing, I see the silhouette of this like egghead kind of that I've seen before. And he was the shadow and the silhouette was doing this like juke, like a very relaxed juke fake into a fadeaway. And I was like, I've seen that before. Like I, I told my girlfriend, can we go back? So we take a few steps back to that area that I had seen that was covered by tarp. And in between, uh, it's probably like a hundred, he was probably like a hundred feet away or so. I see this guy just very lackadaisically practicing on a basketball court. 
in like a gray t-shirt and jeans. So obviously I don't think it's Kobe Bryant, but I'm like, that guy looks like Kobe kind of. Uh, I've, I've seen that physique before. He's doing these Kobe Bryant like fadeaways. And then these like two other kids sidle up to me and my girlfriend at the time. And um, I was like, hey, is that Kobe Bryant? I'm like, oh yeah, that's Kobe. That's Kobe. He's shooting a commercial right now. And I was like, you gotta be shitting me, man. I was like, on my birthday, Kobe Bryant, I meet Kobe Bryant, not meet Kobe Bryant, but I see Kobe Bryant uh, at a place where I was supposed to go kayaking. That was one of those like moments in life where it's just like, you know, the, the surprise factor of it and, and not expecting it is what really carried the day, not the least of which that was Kobe Bryant that I was able to see. That's the closest I've ever been to Kobe Bryant in terms of like a non-basketball being at Staples Center standpoint. And I, we stayed there for the next 30 minutes just sort of watching him during these off takes uh, just work out his shoulder because at the time he was still working out the kinks of whatever injuries and ailments he had that summer. But it was really cool to see him to see him there and, you know, just be able to witness that in a non-basketball scenario. And then later I found out it was for a FIFA commercial for like a, a very small segment where he kicks a soccer ball um, <laughs> somewhere and then he celebrates or whatever. But I think that's my favorite Kobe Bryant memory. One, because of the surprise factor of it all. And two, that's the closest I've ever been to, to Kobe Bryant and, the fact that it was on my birthday, it was, it was perfect. It just caps everything off. And this is why I asked the question. It is, <laughs> you know, like, especially for Lakers people, and obviously, you know, I've mentioned, you know, Howard Beck. Howard Beck was involved with the Lakers for such a long time. And then you have, you know, like Mike Trudell, who's talked about his favorite Kobe moment. Everyone sort of brings their own little nuanced take mm -hmm. on it and little story that you might not have heard otherwise. And, like, if you have time to prepare for it, it's sort of like it ruins like the first thing that pops in your head because you start second guessing yourself and whatnot. And that's an awesome one, man. I got to tell yeah. you that. That was really awesome to hear because it, again, it's so different to everyone else. <laughs> that's why it's so great. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, yeah. so different that it works, man. It really does. And I have and, video uh, of it. So if you want to peruse our timeline somehow and try and find it, I have video of it. So no problem. And yeah, Jonathan, you know, we have talked for over an hour. This hour, this hour plus has flown like it has. honestly it's gone like that it really has if you could just tell the people where to find you where to find your great podcast you know it's definitely worth a listen the lakers legacy podcast i'll say it again um just tell them where they can find you yeah you can find us at at lakers legacy pod on twitter if you want to follow me on my personal account it's at jhun88 uh, we've got a season preview podcast that we just pumped out and we're hoping to have some sort of post-game reaction to uh, Tuesday night's bout against the uh, We Over Me Clippers. So, yeah, thank you for having me on the show, Alan. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, mainly because the Lakers have been a lot of fun to talk about this last <laughs> year. And, um, yeah, I'm just hoping the good times continue to roll. But, yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. The first of many, I hope. The first yeah. of many. Thank you again for everyone listening. We are still in a pandemic all over the world, so please, everyone, stay safe. Yes. Wear a mask. Sanitize. Yes. Look after yourselves. Have a great evening. Go Lakers. Go Lakers.